Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today, I will help you to scare off the emotional vampires in your life. This week, uh, Halloween's coming up, so we are dedicating the entire week to getting rid of the goblins and the ghosts. Today, we'll be dealing with the vampires that suck the life out of you. Think about it. You may have somebody that the minute you see him walk in, you, uh, hi, mom. I want to like suck that. your emotions. But it doesn't. I mean, <laughs> we all have people that just for some reason end up sapping our energy, our emotion. They just, they're incessant. They don't stop. Mm-hmm. You don't need to talk about your kids that way. I know. And what's funny is it could be your kid or it could be your mother. Mine is not my mother. My mother's awesome to talk to. Mm-hmm. My children are as well. But the problem is they exist in our lives. So we are going today to be working with an expert, Dr. Judith Orloff will be joining us. She is the author of the New York Times bestseller, uh, Emotional Freedom. And uh, she will be talking to us about how to deal with the emotional, you know, demons in the world that we have to handle, all these people that just want to get you the dark side of the emotion. That's... Ooh. Uh, James, Sean's CPAP has come off. Can you go oh, put his okay. CPAP I, I got it. On? I'll fix it. Yeah. yeah. Got he's, it. And he must be sleeping. <laughs> I used to have one of those, actually. <laughs> yeah, your CPAP. That's off. You got to reconnect the tube. <laughs> Need to replace my mask. Um, it's gotten too dirty. Hey, nothing better than a little CPAP joke <laughs> to keep everyone. Those are laughing. important machines. Oh yeah, I would love one because then you could cover up your whole head when you're sleeping and just go into a cocoon and then <sighs> and no. breathe. That's brilliant. Hey, I can't. I can't cover my head when I sleep. Can you? No. Well, not if you're sleeping like that. <laughs> you sounded like Darth Vader. I don't know if that was your goal. Yeah. Okay, apparently it was. Yeah. Today, today we're going to get into it. Uh, I'm glad we, you got that. I'm glad you got it. <laughs> so quick. <clears throat> I, I thought it really was your CPAP. You know, that's probably what made him so angsty, though. I mean, he just oh, probably needed to did get you his CPAP fixed. Yeah. And it made him cyanotic, I think is the word. His lips were purple. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of oxygen. <laughs> anyway, we're watching out for you, Sean. Are we, you that kind um, of doctor? Or the... <laughs> I can be. I'll check moles. I'll do whatever you need. Mole check. Right when I got my doctorate, that's what I started joking is, if anybody needs a mole check, I'll check your moles. And then my do- my brothers-in-law that are real – Actual like, doctors. Actual MDs. Actual MDs, They're yes. like, don't uh, Let's dare. try not to do that. <laughs> anyway, moles are overrated. Hey, let's uh, go to our headlines. Headliners from the Matt Townsend Show, a summary of stories that you might have missed. These are stories we might have missed, but they're still – Potential emotional life sucks. Well, I missed this one last night myself until I until oh. I looked on the computer okay. this morning. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, but Dateline San Francisco, Giants win. Giants <laughs> win. <laughs> two two. <laughs> no, it's three two. Oh, they won. Oh, I thought they that won made last them two night. two. No, it made it three two. It's getting close. Yes, 
So the Giants could win the World Series uh, oh. Tuesday night in Kansas City. Yeah, we don't want that. We want to go three three. Then it's a, then it's a real. No, we a, want to win. Well, you want the Giants to win. Yeah, I trying to be neutral. Want <laughs> it to just be a great series. That's and I'll nice. represent the Royals. By the way, baseball needs that because people are falling away from baseball. I saw that eh. somewhere. The ratings are down. People aren't as into think so. it as this, they used to be. I, this has been a very exciting series for me. This is an exciting series. I think it's great. Uh, but last night something happened during the game. What? I know. Um, I don't remember what inning it was, but the they came back uh, on the broadcast and announced that a, uh, a major league baseball player had passed away in the Dominican mm. Republic. That's he right. was in, involved in a car accident. His name is um, Oscar Tavares. He played for the uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals. He's an outfielder, but he was killed uh, yesterday in a in a mm. horrific car crash, I guess. And um, it was it was terrible news. Yeah, he had played in the postseason against the Giants, actually in the series before the World Series, hit a home run off of them and won a game for the Cardinals. Yeah, and come to find out this morning that one of the members of the San Francisco Giants knows this guy. So one of the, was he playing? One of these guys, a mm-hmm. player knows Tavares. Yes. Was he? Is this? Is this athlete? Was he playing in it, the series? He was. He was not playing at the time that he found out. He was warming up. Uh, getting ready in a training room behind mm. the dugout. Uh, his name is Juan Perez, and he was preparing himself, and he overheard a major league official talk about the death of Oscar Tavares. Oh, wow. And uh, Tavares. His buddy. Me. So a friend of his. A friend of his. A friend that he he knows his family. He knows his parents. He knows mm. his brothers. You know, he knows this guy personally. He played winter ball with the guy. Oh, how do you play in the World Series? Mm-hmm. With that emotion hanging on you. Well, that's just it. I mean, if you look at it, right, and I don't know that this was the guy's thinking, had his team lost, had the Giants lost the series, this guy would still be alive because he'd be playing in the World Series. That's right. That's right. He could have, oh. Talking See, about. That's and, where you start thinking exactly. and your mind starts working. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But as this, and this, seriously, once he heard this, he actually ran back up to the dugout, grabbed his cell phone. And he had received texts from all of his friends that it was that knew, it confirmed yeah, everything. Group. Yeah. In fact, he knew the guy so well, somebody had texted him a picture of the car wreck. Oh. So he's looking at this as he's going to play. Yeah. He's got tears rolling down his face. How did he play? As he's, well, he, didn't, he wasn't in the game at the time. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, did he go in? He did go in later. But his coach, Bruce Bochy, yeah. had no knowledge of any of this happening whatsoever. Bruce Bochy is, you know, he's running the team for the game. Yeah. yeah. So he's not paying attention to the news or anything. So he puts Perez in because Perez is a better defensive outfielder than the guy that was in there. So we got to get him in there. So we got to get him in there so you can win the game. Oh, man. But Perez comes up in the eighth inning. Uh, he actually comes up to bat. And uh, it was – no, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, he was inserted into the game in the sixth inning. And then he came to bat in the bottom of the eighth inning with two runners on base. And the pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, Wade Davis, has not given up a home run. Oh, at no all way. in the postseason whatsoever. And well, did he, he still hasn't given up a home run because Juan Perez, he hit a ball and he hit it far. Did he? But it hit the wall maybe oh, two, so to four, he got a two to four inches below the top of the wall. Oh, what if he had hit it out? Exactly. We needed angels in the outfield right then. <laughs> Lift it. So, uh, But there were two guys on base. Perez makes it to second. The two guys on base score. Scores kind of sealed the game for the Giants, who won five to nothing. But it was four to nothing after that. See, how does a guy like that? <clears throat> how do you overcome those emotions and still play the game? Oh, 
that's a good story. See, nobody even knows that story. I haven't heard that. I didn't hear it until this morning when I saw it on ESPN's uh, webpage. See, but there's something about that. I guess that's part of being a pro athlete is you got to clear your head. You do. How many times in games have you seen someone's mom just died or aunt just died or mm-hmm. friend or brother just died? Exactly. And they go out, they dedicate it, they point to the field, outfield and crank one. Well, I mean, when you get to that level of professional sports, it is, mu- it is as much an emotional mm-hmm. game as it is a physical game. Oh, yeah. It's all in your head. Mm -hmm. Like how many batting slumps, how many hitting slumps are just all emotional junk in your head that needs to be flushed. And any professional sport. You go to football, you know, track and Uh field, baseball, hockey. You've seen me even in this studio. Exactly. You'll see that I'll get in a a funk and I, I need to take a nap and have someone rub my feet. And no one will. (laughs) Well, except Sarah. My daughter? No. Oh, Sarah. Sarah Gowan. Yeah, Sarah Gowan. She'll come in. She's, she's a foot zoonologist, so she'll she'll rub your feet. Oh, that's weird. Don't tell Joe that. Joe will never <laughs> I, let her come I, back. Oh, no, 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 never. <clears throat> but what's cool about the story, and today we're going to – that was more about me having my own emotional right. vampire that kind of came that's, in. That's just life. Yeah, this is life, being an yeah. emotional vampire. But – we're talking about people. People. Some, so add on top of that, yeah. people. So what if you're in the dugout and you've seen like a kicker miss a field goal or a kicker need to go kick a game-winning field goal mm-hmm. and how a lot of times all the players avoid him. <laughs> they all just stay away from him. Okay. In baseball, yeah. if, you've got a, if you're a pitcher and you have a no-hitter going. Everyone leaves you alone. Everyone leaves you alone in the dugout as you come back and sit while the, while the team is batting. If, if you've gone into like the fifth or the sixth inning and there's a they no-hitter. They will, they will move down the bench away <laughs> well, from you. No, except then there's always the one that will like, no. come up. Just the one that Mm-mm. doesn't get it socially. And he they walks, will pull like, him hey, away. Are you afraid? So are you afraid? Are you afraid? You're going you're gonna to blow this? Don't blow this. If you blow this, I'll kill you. I'm serious. You know how many people want to see you do this? That kid we would yeah. call a vampire. Okay. Or, you know, the cocky one that wants him to fail or whatever. Awesome. Awesome opportunity today, folks. We are going to learn how to get rid of... The emotional vampires, or sometimes you can't get rid of them because they're your boss, your coworker, your friends, your neighbors, your spouse even sometimes. Today you're going to learn at least how to survive with the people around you that uh, seem to sap your energy instead of giving you energy. We're going to come back. Dr. Judith Orloff will be joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, my friends, we are taking on the emotional vampires of your life, the people in your life that tend to sap your energy, your emotion, you know, the ones that don't leave you feeling so good, much like a vampire who sucks the blood out of you. We've all got somebody that tests us, that, you know, pushes us to our limits emotionally, Today, we're going to try to get some answers for you on how to handle these people. You can't always just discard them and get rid of them. Some of these people are important to you. You love them. You care about them. And yet, meanwhile, they still need their dose of you. Uh, Today on the show is Judith Orloff. She's a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, an intuitive healer, and a New York Times bestselling author. She is a board-certified psychiatrist and assistant professor of psychiatry at UCLA, And she has drawn on her 20-plus years of experience 
uh, along with just a really well-balanced, I think, approach to health that includes, you know, traditional science and traditional medicine, along with cutting-edge knowledge of intuition and energy. And uh, she's here to help us understand a little bit more about emotional healing. She wrote the book that we're going to be talking about today, Emotional Freedom, Liberate Yourself from Negative Emotions and Transform Your Life. Her name again, Dr. Judith Orloff. Welcome to the show, Judith. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. It is an honor to have you, and I I love the title of your, your article, The Emotional Vampire Survival Guide, Emotional Freedom in Action. You know, you, you, right. you can never have enough tools to deal with a vampire. Oh, that's so right. As a physician, I see that the primary source of energy drain is relationships. Yeah. And so if you have a lot of draining people around you, um, as I tell my patients, you really have to learn strategies on how to deal with them. And that's what I wanted to present in Emotional Freedom. What do you do with the different types? of emotional vampires so that you can own the moment instead of just being sucked dry by them. Because you really can't avoid them every time, right? I mean, this is life. These are, and and really they could be family. They could be spouses. They could be people you care about and they still drain you. Oh, absolutely. Um, Emotional vampires come in all shapes and forms and there's an epidemic of them. They are all over the place from family to coworkers to hairdressers, to manicurists, to doctors, to, you know, whoever. It just depends, you know, where you're at. They're everywhere. And so you need to identify them and learn how to deal with them, period. I, and that's why, we, that, that's why we need you, Judith. So talk about then what would you say constitutes a vampire versus just your run-of-the-mill, you know, human that makes life difficult? Well, there's a big difference. And, you know, in Emotional Freedom, I talk about the signs of what you will watch for if you're around a vampire. And one is that you suddenly feel like taking a nap, (laughs) where your eyelids get heavy and you start feeling really tired, and whereas you might have felt really good before. So if you notice that, that's your intuition telling you that you're around an emotional vampire. So if you're getting tired, if you're exhausted... Say that again. So if you're tired, if, you, if you're being physically exhausted, especially, I guess, with somebody in your midst, is that what starts to happen? While they're sitting there, you're starting to get exhausted. Exactly. You just feel so drained and tired, you can hardly keep your eyes open sometimes. Oh, man. that You know what? I wonder if that's not just my whole life. I've always thought I just lacked energy, but maybe it might be what I do for a living and helping people that are struggling. And I mean, a lot of times it, it could be just my own job. My, like, I'm assuming a police officer might have a lot of vampires around him, that people that are struggling emotionally, psychologically, that are frustrated and, and need somebody to talk to about it. Right, but the thing is, you have to learn how not to take on their yeah. energy, and that's the strategy that's the that I present, because I, too, tend to get drained from people you know, in my work you know, as a physician or listening to people's issues all the time if I don't use the kind of strategies I'm presenting yeah. in the book. Yeah, we need the strategies. Give us a few more examples. We'll come back after a break in a bit, and then I want to hear all the strategies. What else tells us that we're dealing with an emotional vampire? Uh, If you suddenly feel agitated or you feel toxic or you feel angry all of a sudden or if you feel sad, we have a sudden change of emotional mood. Um, 
in terms of negativity or if you start you know really feeling you know, like you want to get out of here mm-hmm. you, know, you want to get out of this conversation but you don't know how so those are all really important signs to look for you know a lot of my patients when i tell them these signs they're afraid of being impolite you know in terms of let's say you're around an emotional vampire at a party you have to excuse yourself you know, say, I'm sorry, you know, it was great talking to you, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, man. Something like that. It seems like sometimes you feel trapped because you don't know what to say to get out, because maybe it almost part of the trap is being just nice. You're, you're always so nice to everyone that everyone can come dump on you, so they always dump on you, but you're too nice to get out. That's exactly right. And in these situations, you can't afford to be too nice because you pay the price. Yeah. I mean, if it was a real, dra- a real vampire... Niceness isn't going to cut it. At some point, you're oh, going to be dead. No, that's going to attract them. That's right. Oh, that's so interesting. And so some of us, part of it is we may be a vampire attractor. Yes. What What makes us more attractive to the vampire? Just really good, fresh neck that they can bite into? Yeah, yeah. And what that looks like is that someone who will listen to them for three hours talk about their problems. Oh, Yeah. As opposed to saying, you know, I really care about you, but I could only listen for two minutes unless you want to get into solutions. Oh, I love that. And and, and start yeah. moving them off of the the complaining, the venting into a, a progress. That's the key, I guess. Uh, Judith, do you think um, do you think these people know they're a vampire? No, most people are unconscious of it. And that's why in Emotional Freedom, I have a quiz, are you an energy vampire? Are you an emotional vampire? <laughs> Which, too, they can, the go, they can get on your that. website, right, drjudithorloff.com. They can get the quiz as well, I'm assuming. Absolutely. That's great. You can get the quiz, but all of us can... Go ahead. But the key is to catch ourselves very quickly and to get out of that behavior so we don't just do it year after year after year. Yeah, it's the change, isn't it? So we need to figure out if we are a vampire and um, just maybe just give us a few cues that we might – if we can go take the quiz and read the book, what are some things that would tell us we are a vampire? Um, well, if people start glazing over when you're talking to them about your <laughs> issues – now, or if you find you're getting very negative mm. and you're just complaining a lot and you're not into solutions. Yeah. And now, or if you get in a very dark mood, like with a dark cloud around you and everything is bad and nothing is good. You know, th- those are signs yeah. that you may be turning into a vampire. Do you sense we're getting more of them today, Judith? Has this just been going on forever? With a very stressful time more. like we've got, I'm... it seems more, huh? I think they're more, you know, especially, you know, because of the high technology and, you know, the ability to tweet your feelings or put it on Facebook. You know, there's more of an opportunity to express all that and get it out on the wavelength. So yeah. I think it's really increasing. And your big position here and um, opportunity, I think, for all of us is not just complain about the problem, but start to notice that it's actually happening and and start taking charge in a way that you make it so you're not going to be the next victim. Oh, you have to take charge of it. Otherwise, I have patients who are afraid of going to social situations because they end up feeling so miserable Mm. afterwards. But I I feel so strongly about this personally that if if I'm in a social situation, let's say at a dinner, and there's somebody there who's draining my energy, I'll leave. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll just get up. I'll excuse myself politely and leave because otherwise I'll pay the price, you know, after a two-hour dinner of a negative person. Yeah. With a negative person. So that, I just won't do it. But, you know, a lot of people are so overly polite, excessively polite, where they re- they don't excuse themselves. And so... You know, I've learned to take care of myself in terms of energy management that, you know, certain things are necessary like that, but first you have to identify who are these emotional vampires. Are they the drama queen, somebody who wears you out with off-the-chart drama? (laughs) Are they the victim, someone who is really, you know, not taking responsibility for themselves? It's always somebody else's fault. Now, are they the chronic talker, somebody who corners you with chitter-chatter all the time? And you can't get a, a word in edgewise. How do you deal with that? Oh person? man, you just you just yeah, these, that, that's the, these are the solutions I want to offer people. You have to know beforehand, so then when you're in the situation, you know what to do. Well, you just described kind of like the torturous Thanksgiving dinner. With you've yeah, got the drama indeed. queen, the chronic talker, the victim. You know, the angry victim of being unemployed or whatever, and it's it's all going to converge into some major chaotic problem. We're going to take a break. We're talking with Dr. Judith Orloff. You've got to go check out her website, drjudithorloff, O-R-L-O-F-F.com, drjudithorloff.com. And the book, Emotional Freedom, Liberate Yourself from Negative Emotions and Transform Your Life. When we come back, the real-life solutions for how to handle the emotional vampires we come across. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about emotional vampires, those people in your lives that just sap your energy. They take it from you. And uh, our guest today is Dr. Judith Orloff. She's a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, an intuitive healer, and the New York Times bestselling author. Uh, She's had many bestsellers. The one we're talking about today is called Emotional Freedom, Liberate Yourself from Negative Emotions and Transform Your Life. She's teaching us that there are a lot of people in our lives um, that uh, will take you know, every opportunity they can to use your energy, steal your energy or suck your energy, whatever metaphor you want to use. And we need to protect ourselves and find out who those people are and know what to do. So we're going to welcome back Dr. Judith Orloff to start teaching us uh, how we can handle this. Judith, welcome back. Thank you. You Before the break, you were talking about we have different types of uh, emotional vampires. You gave us some examples of a drama queen. Um, the chronic talker. Give us some more examples of what, who are the emotional vampires that we might want to be watching out for, and then let's start figuring out what we're supposed to do. Okay, well, another big one, probably the most dangerous kind, is the narcissist. And the narcissist is somebody who's totally involved with themselves. It's always me, 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 me. And they love people to kowtow to them and boost their egos, and they just can be charming, wonderful, fun people until you realize that all they care about is themselves and they lack empathy, which is key. They lack the ability to care about other people's feelings. What what do we do? Because they also build up stories, don't they? I mean, 
Like a narcissist might even make you feel like you're bad for not giving them the time or like you talked about how you walk away in a party if there's somebody that's taking too much time. How do you not believe the stories that some of them are telling us? Well, it's all the inner of the emotional vampires. This is the hardest, and I've worked with so many women. Oh, Dr. Judith, it sounds like we lost your line there. Uh, Are you there? You know what, Judith? It's very hard because they can be charming. You know what? We just lost your your line for a minute, your phone line. So maybe just repeat what uh, you were saying. And if you're on a portable line, maybe just stand still. Don't move anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Oh, okay. I don't know. We okay. just we lost you. What do you? Th- what were you saying about the? You deal with a lot of women who sometimes their husbands might be a, a narcissist, and they're they're having a little uh, the life sucked out of them. They are, and then they're being blamed. They're not getting any nurturing, and because they're so in love with the guy, they it's taken nearly a quarter of a century to get out of the relationship. Mm. It's extremely hard so i always advise my patients and my readers don't get involved with one even if you feel like you're in love it is too high a price to pay you'll waste too many years trying to get these men or women to love you when they lack an empathy chip where they're not capable of yeah. love. and that's what's so hard for many of my patients and readers to get as they they say to me well what about compassion what if i'm loving and compassionate with them and I'm just sorry to say that doesn't work with narcissists. See, I love those. It really that. doesn't work, and it's so hard for, for people with hearts to grasp that. That is. Because you, they, they can charm you and reel you in and intuitively read you. And, you know, they're great fun as long as you're not in, you know, in love with them. You, I, I don't know if that's immediately what you meant, but uh, uh, in one of your articles I read, you, you said kind of being naive – to some of those aspects of some of another person's personality might be another reason why they prey on you, because if you're not seeing exactly. it, then you're going to remain naive and remain the victim there. What, what are some exactly, other types? Because you don't know what happened. You don't know yeah. what struck you in terms of that emotional vampire, because, you know, they, they woo you and they're mm-hmm. wonderful and here's this great person. And then suddenly they just turn into this horrible, punishing, cold, unempathic mate. Yeah. And yet you're trying yeah, to be compassionate. Like <laughs> well, I see it a lot with my clients as well. And it, but I yeah. love it because you can still be compassionate and not deal with them. You just use your empathy to see the problem and don't be their victim forever. And then that doesn't make you not compassionate. It just makes you healthy. Absolutely. To set limits and boundaries yeah. with narcissists, but... The problem is if you've had a narcissistic father or mother and you're trying to heal that wound, you often attract partners who are narcissists when it hasn't been healed yet. Yeah. And, you know, this is very, very hard way to live. So, oh. you know, being in, being in therapy or being in coaching, dealing with, you know, the, what the narcissistic parent didn't give you and be able to heal that so you can accept love. Mm. You want to be with a, with a mate who's able to give you love and you want to be able to receive it not always run after a narcissist begging for a crumb sure. of protection. Please, please. Give me, give me more give me more food. Talk about the guilt tripper. That's actually yeah. seems to be pretty common amongst a lot of uh it seems like kind of religious folks. You always talk you always hear about like Catholic guilt, Jewish guilt, the Mormon guilt. We we have these standards and so a lot of times you might have a guilt tripper. 
Yeah, you might, and they are so expert at making you feel guilty about what you believe, who you are, or that it's your fault. It's, it's your fault that I'm addicted to heroin. Yeah. If you would have been a better mother, I wouldn't be addicted to heroin. That's what one of my guilt-tripping patient sons says. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she, of course, goes, oh, my God, did I cause I'm horrible. It? Look what I did to my son. <laughs> yep. Right, exactly. So it sounds like a lot because of this is you just have to recognize it. Yeah. And then, and then, you do. And, and then I guess you, f- then what? Run? Oh, and then you, then you decide how to act on it. You, you know, you're like a machine. You go, okay, this one's a guilt tripper, and this is how I deal with it. Mm. You have to know. That's why I wrote Emotional Freedom to give people the types, the strategies, and then you have to practice. I send all my patients out to practice with the ones that they have, and I often do role playing in my office where I'm the energy vampire and. They're trying to, you know, talk to me and communicate with me. So, you know, that they have experiences. You know, a guilt tripper will come up with a million ways to push your guilt, but your guilty button, so you feel miserable by the time you're done with the conversation. Yeah, I mean, what it really is, as I've just looked at your book and and everything, I, I notice how it's like a circle, and they're coming at you from every angle. Some are just so self-absorbed, like the narcissist, but then some are kind of playing against you passive aggressively. Some are overtly guilting you, while others are just nagging you to death. But or criticizing Correct. all of these different vampires, you know, after a day of that, you got to you got to run away. No wonder we might do drugs. No wonder we might imbibe and drink and do everything we can to just escape this world. Oh, yeah. If you don't have strategies, if you feel powerless over them, sure. Yeah, you want to escape. But, you know, the great thing is once you realize how to deal with them, then you own the moment and you're in control. Yeah. So it's a different situation. Now you're empowered. Give us some ooh, some strategies. What are some things that we should be doing um, that, that might help us to kind of to lift us to, to be able to make it through these vampire moments? Well, let's say you're, um, you have a, a friend who's a, a whiner or a victim. And he or she calls you with all their problems, and you had a long day at work, and then you stay on the phone with this person for an hour or two, and you feel drained, and then they keep calling you back. So what you do with this type of emotional vampire, the the victim, is that you set limits to how much time you're going to speak with them. You have to stop them and say, I lo- you're my friend, I love you, and I'll talk to you for a couple minutes about this. But when you want to get into solutions and not just repeat yourself mm-hmm. over and over again, then I'll be more than happy to talk to you, period. So that what did that take, 15 seconds? Yeah, that was 15 seconds. Yeah, it, no it, more. You don't get into long discussions yeah. with them. That's a mistake. Because that, that, that's, that's where they dominate you is in the discussion. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah. you, But you actually do take on and make overt their vampire nature. You point out... You have a tendency to just tell me the same story. We talked about this last week. You're just telling me the exact same story. I don't want to go on the exact same story unless you're ready to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. Or, honey, I love you, but but I you know, don't want to go on the same story. It tires me out. Hmm. You, t- you, you tell them that. You just say it exhausts me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how you say it is key. If you say it lovingly or you say it with neutral tone, then it can be heard. If you say it's snippy or angry or mm-hmm. blaming, they won't change. Well, you'll become something they'll nag about. 
You, yeah. be, you become fodder. Really irritate them. Yeah. So you really need to use kind of a, a more sensitive, softer uh, approach a- and make it about you that it exhausts your energy. And then you give them some feedback that we keep circling. Yeah, exactly. And you have to keep repeating yourself because sometimes they'll say, well, what kind of friend are you that you don't want to listen to me? <laughs> so they'll bring in that guilt tripping yeah. element of it. Do, do they end and up? You'll say, I'm a great friend. I love you, but I'm just setting a limit here because I don't feel like I'm being helpful. See, that's to me, that's that's strong. That's healthy. And I, but I can also see some people that would so struggle with that, wouldn't we? They don't have the tools to create the boundary and and let alone say it. And then right. I guess well, that's the victim. You can practice with friends. Yeah. You could practice before you actually do it, but it is very healthy and you will feel empowered if you do it. But you have to keep repeating it because they forget. Yeah. You know, the emotional vampire will forget. And you just say it really nice, you know, saying, well, you know, hi, you know, yeah, we talked about this. Remember, three minutes, that's it. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so true, though, isn't it? And it's funny, they don't even know that. I mean, it's almost like you're trying to teach a little kid, we don't have a cookie right now. We're not having a cookie now. Sometimes you just need yeah. to keep repeating, we're not doing that now. We don't do that now. They're going more by habit yeah. than by being present in the moment. Exactly. But that brings up a good point. If parents can teach their children how to set healthy boundaries, or if they can set health, healthy boundaries when the children are younger, then the children grow up with those incredible skills. Yeah. They don't have to even have this conversation we're having. That's it. I mean, that probably is another reason why we might be seeing more of it is our parenting skills maybe are struggling. <laughs> we're not setting I boundaries. So. And we have more I things to set a boundary on, right? Things we oh, didn't yeah, even... It's very for parents to set boundaries with their children to say, honey, I'm meditating now. You have to leave mommy alone for a half hour. Mm. These are really important skills. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion, discussion, how to defend against emotional vampires. I also wanted Judith to get into um, a topic. I don't know that she knew I was going to bring it up, but she believes strongly the power of, of spirit and using spiritual strength as a tool to healing. And I think all of us uh, need to be able to find a way to connect more spiritually and uh, maybe heal ourselves through that process. We're going to take a break, continue learning about uh, the emotional vampires and how to handle them in our life. More on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little Aerosmith there. Sweet emotion. You know, there are the sweet emotions. That's what makes life so sweet. And then there are those other people that bring other emotions, and we have to deal with them. We have to figure out some coping skills, some tools. It doesn't mean you have to just always stay there, but you, you need to learn to set boundaries. You need to recognize your own emotions. Uh, on the phone with us right now is Dr. Judith Orloff. She's a medical doctor, a psychiatrist, an intuitive healer, and a New York Times best-selling author of the book Emotional Freedom: Liberate Yourself from Negative Emotions and Transform Your Life. She also has other books like The Ecstasy of Surrender, Second Sight, 
uh, Positive Energy and Guide to Intuitive Healing, all different uh, books with great opportunities for learning about your emotions. You can also go to her website, drjudithorloff.com, where you can find out and take some assessments there. She's got a lot of great workshops, classes, things you can do. So, Judith, welcome back to the show and so appreciate you being here. Oh, you're very welcome. Teach us um, some more skills, some more tools. And if you'd like, I know one of the things that you you um, you bring into a lot of your emotional coaching is spirituality. How can we? Uh, how? What are some more tools we can use? And how does spirituality affect our ability to uh, manage some of this negative emotion? Well, as a physician, um, I incorporate traditional medicine with spirituality and everything that I do and listening to your inner guidance or your inner voices and listening to spirit because I, I am a deep believer in the spiritual reality mm-hmm. and I believe that when we tap into it, it can give us guidance about how to be the best people we could possibly be. And how, and how to and, deal with these people too, right? I mean, because yeah. my inner guidance, my inner light can help me figure out how I can still remain true to my character and not just be sapped by another. Yes, yes, exactly. And I, I look at this as a spiritual exercise, how to deal with emotional vampires and do it from a place of empowerment, compassion, and firmness. Hmm. Um, I see it as a way to elevate yourself spiritually when you learn how to deal with other difficult human beings with love. Yeah. That's a very spiritual act to me. I, I, I agree. And I, because it really is, you're not trying to do it to harm them. You're really, it's a helping act. It's an act of service. It's an act of love. Yeah, I, I believe that where people go wrong is they just, you know, get into tit for tat with them mm-hmm. and they start tearing them down and, and, you know, getting into a battle, which is not going to help anybody. No, and it destroys your spirituality. You've become broken. Yeah, and your yeah. energy. Yeah. Talk about um, how do I. I mean, I, I'm assuming some of this is pre-work. I, I'm assuming if I'm more spiritually grounded and understand how to, you know, recognize my own emotions and my inner light or inner voice, if I've got that going on, if I've meditated, I'm assuming some of that will give me better strength to handle the situations with vampires. What else do I do? Or, or what are some of those steps? Well, for instance, if you're dealing with a criticizer, that's a, you know, a very powerful kind of energy vampire. As somebody who tears you down, I had a patient um, whose father-in-law would come over and criticize how she cooked the chicken, mm. how she raised the kids, why she should have a job and raise young children, and on and on and on. And so I worked with her, and at first, you know, I just said, tell him, you know, it hurts your feelings when he's critical, so to please stop that. But that didn't work. He kept doing it, and so she had to amp it up. And so finally, she had to set consequences that she was not going to invite him over to dinner with the grandkids unless he could be sweet to her. Hmm. And yeah. it was only that, that that got through to him. She had to amp up the consequences of her limit setting. Yeah. And, and, and put and it out there in front. And to see the grandchildren. Oh, yeah. you bet. Well, and think about that. He's a grandpa that's a criticizer. I mean, he would eventually take some of the criticism to his grandchildren. This is something he needs to improve. So somebody needs to say something. Exactly. But he was a tough nut to crack because (laughs) he wasn't budging. Yeah. And she she was feeling terrible. She was, you know, she's a mom. She was working. She was taking care of these kids. She was 
loving her husband. You know, she's trying to do everything right, you know. And here comes this uh, father-in-law who's criticizing her. And so she had a really hard time staying calm with him. Yeah. But I, I taught her, of course, but I taught her how to do that and how to almost be robotic in terms of setting the limits with him. And finally it worked. It almost it sounds worked. like now that's the key. Respectful. Yeah, it sounds like the key is because you can't really get into um, – what's the word? You can't get into a debate with a lot of these people because they're they're excellent communicators a lot of times, you know, or excellent manipulators. So debating them is one thing, but setting a limit and setting a boundary and just staying firm to it, they adapt or they die, I guess, emotionally. Well, you know, I, I have a saying in emotional freedom that no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say no to somebody, that you don't have to keep defending it, you don't yeah. have to keep explaining it. You just say, no, I'm sorry, that's not possible. That's such a great And line. I can't emphasize enough to everybody, you've got to keep it short. Yeah. You know, you can't go on and on with these people. That's all over because they'll manipulate you, you know, into a, wherever. They're so good at it that you don't want to even go there with them. Well, and a lot of them are better. That They don't just use one type, right? They might have all. They have, might have 12 types and be able to throw everyone out there depending on what they need. Exactly. And then they turn it against you and make it your fault. It's yeah. just crazy. What's the key? So you... you What's the key so we don't get caught up? Like, if if I see that I've got some of these, what do I do? Well, hopefully you um, non-defensively accept feedback from your loved ones, and you go, okay, I've been turning into a complainer or a control freak. Okay, I need to change. Yeah. No, rather than defending. If you could non-defensively hear feedback from the people who love you, and to say thank you for sharing that, I was unaware I was being that way, and then change the behavior, that would be perfect. That would be perfect, especially that maybe is where the spiritual side comes in, because then you don't have to go by your ego or your kind of natural state and your fight or flight. I can go into more what I want to be and find essence or peace. Yeah, you want to be the best person you can be, and... If you're defensive and arguing your case, then it won't get anywhere. You have to be humble enough to be able to hear what's true about yourself if you sink into a negative pattern. Hmm. And I guess I could do the exact same thing, is be humble enough to not, on the other side, be humble enough to not take the abuse. I mean, like, look, go exactly. into myself and learn and say, why am I allowing this to happen to me? Ex- that's an excellent question. Because it's powerful, isn't it? when you finally get into the humility and and the teachability. Yes, and the teachability, just and not getting down on yourself. Yep. Let's say someone's listening and they've allowed themselves to be abused by, let's say, a narcissist or they're stuck in some kind of toxic relationship. Don't get down on yourself about it. You know, it's about being kind and loving and compassionate with yourself, but making behavior changes with the relationship. Mm. I mean, it really is. This is life, right? This doesn't go away. Yeah. This is life everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it's, a, it's funny because it's a skill that seems so foreign. Like, I mean, like we're teaching it like it's brain surgery. And yet it's something that we all are doing every single day of our lives. Right. Hmm. Exactly. And you want to make the world a better place. You want to try and increase the emotional IQ of those around you. 
you know, so that they can, you know, be a bit more evolved emotionally. And you can do that by being the one to step up because they're not going to do it. The right. emotional vampire isn't going to change. And then um, I guess in all your research, you've also found that – so if we can manage the vampires around us and manage the vampires inside of us, what's that? What's the ultimate benefit? Emotional freedom. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. You're free. Peace. So you're, 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 you're not every time – yeah, go ahead. Your buttons get pushed. You don't you don't fly off the handle. That's what you mean by emotional freedom is you're free to not have to react. Exactly. You can respond, but you don't have to react every time some vampire presses your buttons. What a free day. The minute you don't have to chase, I always call it, all of the emotionally challenged people around you, you don't have to become like them anymore. Now you can just sit there and see it all going on. Yeah, you watch it. You see it all going on, and then you decide. You know, it's like a chess game. How am I going to respond to this one? Uh Mm. And then be very proud of yourself if you stay calm and you're kind and you set your limit and you get out of there quickly. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to me, that seems like the kind of humans we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to be just run by emotion and React. I'm not just emo- yeah, but run by the negative emotion and the reactivity. We're supposed to lead our lives. We're supposed to be agents, making choices. Exactly, and and just think of how that can affect the greater world. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Look at the politics, uh, the world of politics, and everything we see that's just so riddled riddled with uh, emotional vampires. Mm. Well, yeah. Judith, we appreciate you. We and uh, we highly recommend your work and your website. Your website is if you want to go be educated, go to drjudithorloff.com. It really is a, an incredible site with resources, referrals. I mean, it, it's everywhere you need to go emotionally. Uh, there's tools. There's there's everything you've got there. Plus her best selling books. So, Doctor Judith Orloff, we appreciate you again. Go check out uh, her best selling book, Emotional Freedom: Liberate Yourself from Negative Emotions and Transform Your Life. We are going to continue this discussion, my friends. The vampires in our lives. When we come back, I'll take a. Uh, a, a little bit of time working on a little bit of coaching on how to coach around emotional strength and how to grow your own emotional strength. Do some cleansing there. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. It's my life, my friends. Oh, I love that song. John Bon Jovi. Hey, today we're talking about emotional vampires. Do you have people in your life that just slowly just suck the life out, the energy out, the good? They can walk into a room and they're going to notice the one thing that's out of place. Emotional management is a difficult thing. So it's one thing to have all of these people out there taking away, uh, you know, the good emotion in life. Another problem is some of us don't necessarily bring healthy emotion to the game anyway. So, uh, you know, our own Sean O'Neill has been doing some research and has found six bad habits that will drain your energy. Well, you've got to have energy to handle the day. Yeah. 
So, By the way, that research actually shows your energy is a component of your willpower. Oh, really? So as, as your energy drops, your willpower also drops. Oh. So, if I so that's why habits, I'm eating those donuts. That's right. That's why after eating the donuts, you need to go get a steak and a really bad, greasy meal. <laughs> Because the donuts decreased your energy, which decreased your willpower, which is why a lot of times we make our worst decisions later mm-hmm. on in the evening. But also, if you keep your energy up, your body's going to be more efficient. You would think so. Yeah. Well, it, with healthy habits right. and energy, right? right? I mean, mm-hmm. I could eat a million Skittles and easily have energy for six minutes. I couldn't, actually. Couldn't you? What would, would you just no. tip over? What would happen? No, I've, I've had a surgery that doesn't... Oh, don't do that. If I have too much sugar, I have a problem. Would you blow up? Would you explode? I'm also diabetic, so that wouldn't Well, help. that'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> that'll kill you. Don't do that. Okay, <laughs> James will do it. Okay. James, we're going to get you a handful of Skittles, and we're going to do an Ooh, experiment. Yeah, Perfect. Cool. I like the sound of that. I used to give Skyway Skittles <laughs> on the show. Oh, there you go. But then... Did you toss I, them across the yeah, desk? Yeah, throw them across the desk. <laughs> but then what I noticed is he would just keep tweaking all of the buttons. He just kept pushing <laughs> buttons. <laughs> so it didn't actually help. So what habits have you got for us? Well, the first habit that uh, will drain your energy is if you don't drink enough water. Oh, okay, I'm going to write these down because <laughs> okay. I already have that habit. By the way, this is from uh, a blog on psychcentral.com. Joe Wilner is uh, the author of this article called Six Bad Habits That Will Drain Your Energy. What if um, – because there is water in Diet Coke. There is. Right. Yeah. So what if I drink plenty of Diet Coke water? I don't know. Hmm. I bet it's. I bet they want the pure water. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do, uh, just to stay hydrated. Okay. Um, because if you're not hydrated, your body is not going to function correctly. No, you, your body is mostly water. Mm-hmm. So exactly. if I don't have enough water, then my body is mostly, I'm going to bet. Uh, not there. Yeah, Diet Coke <laughs> color. Number 44. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, but it, it, here it says, make it a goal to drink more water and try and choose water instead of soda with oh, your meals. So hard. Because you know what I you am? Know, I think that's a lot easier with your meals. Because well, if you're just out driving around and you you feel you're thirsty and you need a drink, you pop into a convenience store, yeah. boom, that's easy. But I'm a social drinker. <laughs> I drink Diet Coke socially. Yes. So when I'm at dinner, like out to dinner with friends... Right. I drink Diet Coke, and they just keep bringing them. I find it easy. I, I think it would be easier to drink water there, but I can see, yeah. you know, it, and it might be emotional pressure you're putting on yourself. It I is. would do it too. My, it's, every time I order the Diet Coke, my wife puts pressure by going, Oh, yes. Uh, and the, the waiter's putting pressure on you too because he just yeah. keeps on bringing more. It's almost That's, as if he's encouraging I'm sorry, it. Uh-huh. but have you gone to the restaurants where you, you – you're, you drink maybe a quarter of the glass, and they bring you a refill already. Yes, I love those. <laughs> those I are think the it's a waste. Restaurant. It is a waste because I don't. I will usually. I might drink once. I don't drink a lot when I eat. Yeah, and so I think it's just a waste. Oh, it's those times when I drink way too much. Mm. I'm like I've barely see, eaten anything. And I've already they had like want four to fill glasses. you up with fluid. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one rule, one goal: drink, drink enough water. Enough water. Number two, yes. the bad habit is you have too much on your plate. Oh, my lord! Now, this is not an eating reference. No. This is too much, for you, too much that you've scheduled yourself to do. Yep. What if I'm not doing my scheduling? That's my people's fault. Well, then, then you need to talk with your people. That's the hard you part. You can have your people talk with my people, and we'll have their well, people get together. Yeah. And 
So if if you've got too much on your plate, that's a that's a habit that's going to sap your energy. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. if you're running around too much, you're trying to concentrate on too many different things. Yeah. It's, it's I've got that one. It's ridiculous. So I'm two for two. There you go. It's explaining a lot. Uh, there's a quote here from John Wooden, by the way. Yeah, Coach Wooden. Yep. Don't mistake activity with achievement. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you got to be accomplishing something. Exactly. You can't just keep moving around. Good. Number three. Yes. You're a clutter bug. There I've got it. Mm-hmm. Clutter bug. Not keeping your surroundings organized and clean. Mm-hmm. Then you, I know I do this in my office. My my desk is is usually kind of cluttered, hmm. and I keep thinking, oh well, I got to clean this. I got to clean this. I yeah. got to clean this. I got to clean this. I got to straighten this up. But you don't. I don't. So when? But does... I waste. I'm wasting energy thinking that I have yeah. to do this. That's true. Well, and then I used to when I was in school, I'd distract myself because I'd constantly clean mm-hmm. in order to do my to write something. Right. That was just a form of avoiding writing. So now I do that as well. It's not good. But there's mm-hmm. so much power though. Like when you go into a room or into a space and it is clean, mm-hmm. you can just like feel that peace. It's just like, oh. yes. Let me give you an example. Surgery. Like when you're being wheeled into surgery. Oh, you feel the And you're like, holy cow, is this place clean? Yeah. And mm-hmm. all your brain is thinking is, ah. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking during peace. surgery. Mm, that's not what I'm thinking. Okay. Maybe I missed the point. Not when I went into surgery. I was, mm. <laughs> that's all right. I missed the point. All right, number four. Yeah. And I think you got this one too. Oh, boy. You never take a break. That's <sighs> so true. You're just a workaholic. But see, even- Keep going, keep going, keep going. Got to get it done. Got to get it done. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But see, my wife thinks I constantly take breaks. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm horizontal, well, because you're, she's like, yeah. oh, you're just going to sit that's there all why. day. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm thinking. When I'm sitting, my brain is still in action. But I know I've heard of of- of studies that prove that naps at work oh, yeah. are helpful. Mm-hmm. I mean, not you know two hour naps. No, or but, s- not six naps a day. No, yeah. But a fifteen twenty minute nap at work can rejuvenate you. Yeah. And okay. actually, on MythBusters, they proved that. MythBusters. Yes, are, we're because, quoting MythBusters. Yes. Wow. Well, they tested cool. the myth. They they uh, you know, you've seen the Deadliest Catch show. Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Those guys will go and take a power nap for 20 minutes and then come back and, and be at work for yeah. six hours on, on deck. Go take another nap. Did they prove you could do, do that? that? Yes, they did. I think, I think that makes sense. They, well, it keeps you sharper than staying up yeah. the whole time. Yeah. One of our, one, actually, one of our guests either last week or the week before even said that 15-minute nap is equivalent to an hour and 30 minutes worth of mm-hmm. energy. Of Holy cow. Yeah. You're quoting our show. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That and I thought you were napping. <laughs> that you were actually listening to our show. With my eyes closed. Yes. Oh, you're amazing. Now here's where it That's relates awesome, to our James. show, this yes. list. Yes. Number five. Yes. You have toxic relationships. It's so true. Nothing will sap more energy as we've talked about today mm-hmm. than the vampires. Avoid the energy vampires is what it says in the mm. article. So true. I'll bet you a divorce and that whole all the stress around that, I bet it takes five years off your life. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. I know at all. it takes you know being a part of that with other people takes about a year off of my life. <laughs> so that's why. But toxic relationships. But, you know, will kill it is you. your life. So that's right. Yeah, the song said so. That's it is. That's why we're. That's why we use that song, and that's why we try to teach you how to have healthier relationships. Exactly. What's the last one? The last one. You don't get enough sleep. Oh man. 
I don't. You're, are you six for six on that list? Well, you know what I've been trying? Um, <laughs> this is something that I don't know if I recommend. As a coach, how do you avoid emotional vampires, though? Well, Isn't that kind of yeah. part of your job? It is. But see, I get paid, so it actually <laughs> okay. makes it okay. But it's like um, – so I, I don't know if you guys have known this, but I have plantar fasciitis. Right. Um, it's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so I found – I put some new inserts in my shoes. Oh. And they work incredible. Like they were incredible. So I decided instead of I have a boot I put on to to pull my at night make my foot go sure. flat so it doesn't curl. So I decided instead I was just gonna wear <laughs> I was just gonna wear my shoes to bed with the inserts. Uh huh. And and my wife's like going running. <laughs> She's like, you going running, Matt? Hey, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm multitasking. But see, but I'm not used. I'm not Exercise used to sleeping while with sleep. shoes on. So I've been waking up a lot more, and it only lasted. It only really apparently helped for a couple of days, and now it's. Well, if if you wear your shoes to, if you're wearing your running shoes to bed, aren't you dreaming of running and then taking yeah. care of the exercise that you need during the day? I wish in that's your all it took. Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? I actually dream that I'm running to a donut store. Oh, there. Okay, so that that kind of to get donuts. Yeah, that's that's not good for the. Well, that's workout. a great that's a great list. Six energy habits that sap your energy. Don't drink enough water. Too much on your plate. Clutter bug. Never take a break. Toxic relationships, and you're not getting enough sleep. If you're doing those six things, I, you know what? That's I'm, the first I'm doing time them all. I think I've got an A. <laughs> I'm getting an I'm A. Not on sure that. you want an A on that I know, one, <laughs> but I don't know why. Just this one came easy to me. This one came easy. That's an emotional drainer right there. So I couldn't even be a great vampire because I don't even have enough energy to go right. stalk people. Well, folks, we're going to take a break and continue our discussion about emotional vampires. Coming up next is Kim Giles. Kim Giles, actually, she's going to talk to us about emotional werewolves. You know how, okay, a vampire Ooh, will suck the emotions yeah. out of you, but you have these people who come in and they change the emotion. They change the emotion to be about them. Ooh, yes. And then they get hairy. Uh-huh. How? People being toxic around you. Okay, emotional vampires. Emotional werewolves. hmm This is great. Soon we'll be talking about the zombies, my friends. Zombies will be coming out. That's later bit. this week. That's later this week. I can remember. We have to wrap them up. <laughs> That's right. When we come back, Kim Giles, she's going to educate us. Tons of fun, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, today we're talking about, uh, you know, emotional vampires and also emotional werewolves. These hairy, I guess they're not always hairy, but these people that come in, kind of the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, you think they're one thing and all of a sudden they turn on you and they show their fangs. Scary. Kim Giles is with us. From Clarity Point Coaching, by the way, the author of the book, Choosing Clarity, The Path to Fearlessness. You need not fear a a werewolf, even though they could shred you. Well, you can make yourself werewolf proof. Ooh. 
You can't. I mean, you you said earlier, how do you kill a werewolf? Well, we can't kill these yeah. people. Well, like, legally, <laughs> legally, you cannot kill them. Yes, yeah, some of them are alive only because right. we can't kill That's right. them. That's right. It's illegal. But um, <laughs> you've you for the most part, you got to work on yourself. But I was saying on the break, I really think there's two categories yes. of these Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of people because yeah. there's a there's a lot of people who I term a little psychologically immature Mm -hmm. and so they may have mood swings their emotions get out of control there's a lot of drama yeah but they're basically rational and logical and teachable teachable. enough that you got a chance here that they could learn how to get a better control and become more psychologically mature some might change they might and then you've got this other class of people that i (laughs) term as illogical toxic and possibly crazy people and i say it that way but with some more compassion they're mentally ill yeah and you will see this dr jekyll mr hyde experience and your previous guest you talked a little bit about narcissists yeah they would definitely fall into that category you're not going to fix that no that's a that's a lifer there this is yeah. this is a trial forever so you can cope it is. But the the thing that's so frustrating with those people is is they can show up the most charismatic, loving, uh-huh. wonderful people. And boy, they can sell it. Oh, yeah. And then when this other person who has no compassion whatsoever shows up, you're, what, what is going on? Right. That's the <laughs> so werewolf. It really throws you. Uh-huh. Because they, 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 one day they're, you know, and then all of a sudden the moon comes out. One day they're perfect and great, not even hairy. Then yeah. the moon shows, and then they <laughs> they turn into the werewolf. So, and I was telling you, I had a, a very personal experience with someone in my life who I got to know, and they seemed like the most wonderful oh, angel, angel, angel from heaven. Yeah. yeah. So I knew them for about a year and a half, and all of a sudden, one day, they get offended by something, and you're, who, who are you? Right. I don't even know you. Mm-hmm. What is happening? And did the snout go out and the teeth come out and the hair start? Pretty growing? much, yeah. it's like a totally different person. Yeah. And it wasn't until much later that I found out about borderline personality uh-huh. disorder. And the more that I read about that, I went, "Oh my gosh, that's, that's what it. I was dealing with." Um, and that- I find a lot of people who have haven't even heard of that don't know what it is. Yeah. If you've got someone in your life and the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde is the best way you could explain mm-hmm. it, that you never know which you're going to get. And and the n- nice is so wonderful, but the mean is you are – They hate your guts yeah. and you are the biggest villain on yeah. the planet and there's no logic to it whatsoever. You can't explain your way through it. Mm-hmm. You start to think you're crazy because you the, go in circles. Yeah. You cannot get anywhere. You can never win. You may be dealing with a borderline, and borderline. You, you've dealt with some there, too. I think, honestly, of any diagnosis, this is the worst. I do too. I mean, that you can get because it's, and they're highly manipulative. So they can be reaming you, and then the doorbell rings, and, and they act like a saint. They're totally nice again. Yeah. And then the door shuts, and they're back to reaming you. <laughs> and, um, and some of it is they can actually come in and out, and they literally, so some of it is, highly manipulative they're literally on and off they can turn it on turn it off they can 
it's it's yeah. really so not healthy. The problem is even if they go to a psychologist or mm-hmm. somebody, they can completely snow them yeah. and they'll never admit they have anything wrong and you will end up being the one that looks yeah. crazy. That's right. I have a couple of clients that I've referred to programs who have kind of got a handle on it, mm-hmm. but they it was they're highly medicated and they're learning a lot of cognitive behavioral approaches and lots of boundaries. And lots of, these are people that a lot of times threaten suicide. They threaten to kill themselves, even though they, they is it kind of manipulative? They never would, and because they really are too into themselves to go there. So wouldn't you say I I really recommend if you've got somebody in your life that this is sounding familiar, though, go online and read a little bit about borderline. And boy, if the symptoms line up, Mm -hmm. you know you're going to need some serious professional help or this will never make it. And a lot of it is coping and and, and getting a great di- a solid diagnosis, right? So if yeah. you can get a good diagnosis and we can all agree that's what's going on, then it's and a little humility that they'll admit that there's a problem. Where this gets crazy is when they keep it hazy enough that nobody knows what's going on. And there's yeah. no name for it and no diagnosis and then it's you're just hell. up to the wind exactly. Can I just be yeah, honest because I've lived in it. Yeah. So, so you're saying there's these two types and maybe the ones we really ought to try to deal with, I guess, in a more direct way are the immature ones that might be teachable and then cope with the others. Is that what you're saying? What yeah, are you saying? I well, mean, and and you hit it on the head when you said if they are humble enough to accept a diagnosis and to uh, get some professional help. Yeah, that's a different game. That's a different game. But if you, there is no way through it, like it was mm-hmm. in my situation. Because if they won't. It was get get away. That's right. that's right. No, and honestly, that is. Get away. That, that is that and other, some other diagnoses that are close to that are the ones where you just look at them and say. Yeah. Mental it's health. It's not going to work to be in a relationship with you. This person can't feed you. And that even transcends this, even the idea of to love, honor, and cherish through sickness and in health. I mean, the one that won't go get help yeah. is it's it's a type of abuse. You can't just keep having the abuse. But you know, as a in my situation I was the spouse and and it's hard to walk away from somebody that's sick. Uh-huh. You have all kinds of guilt around and that. And if they have children with you and It's really hard. And then the other hard thing is how do you teach your kids about their sickness? Well, and Matt, don't you find with couples you work with, some people honestly know in their heart, it's my perfect journey to be in this with this person who's got this problem and learn how to be bulletproof, get so strong myself that I can handle a certain amount of their abuse without letting it destroy me and and keep it together. And some, it's really our perfect journey to to be strong enough to get out and say, I deserve an environment Mm -hmm. where I'm not attacked and beaten down at that level. I agree. And um, the the research even shows that about – I think about a third of the divorces are actually justified and warranted by the results they end up creating for you. Two-thirds aren't. So one of – so things like consistent abuse, mental health issues, addictions, excessive addictions that won't stop and they're not getting help. There's certain things that warrant – It's justified. It's better for It's better better for for everybody. But the other two-thirds – so that's what I'm always afraid of is sometimes the people jump too early when -hmm. it's not borderline. It's not some mental health issue. It's just a typical battle and we're not – So so that's the key I think is we've just got to know – you're going to learn one way or another. And sometimes the harder partner 
can teach you a lot. And then there's a point where you no longer have to take it. Yeah, you don't have to be in that class anymore. And that's what and I always say. And don't feel guilty no. about it because in my situation, it was causing so much damage, especially to the children mm-hmm. in the situation. That's, a, that's the sign. That, that's the sign you need that to That is the sign. And then look for the peace. Mm-hmm. So if you can get peace that we need to go in the conflict. So you've got to get independent enough to get a witness. Does that make sense? You mean – your inner truth is telling you this uh-huh. is right for You're me. You're crushing your spiritual yeah. self if you stay here. We've got to be You'll strong know. enough to know that and then strong enough to do it because that's a different thing, right? Sometimes yes. we're strong enough. Sometimes we know we need to go and we won't go. It and takes a lot of strength and courage. Or but we, just, could, we could talk a bit about how to be strong enough yeah, that's what, that's to what deal we, with these situations. Let's do it. Let's come back. Okay. And we're with Kim Giles. You've got to go check out her website again. More resources there per pound than any other website I ever refer you to. Clarity Point Coaching. Not that you weigh a lot. I'm not saying that. Kim. <laughs> we give away a lot of free stuff. Kim gives that's away a lot of free stuff. So per pound, her website gives more than anyone else. We're going to take a break, come back, and continue learning about emotional werewolves and uh, how to inoculate, if, you, if that's possible, against the emotional werewolf. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Kim Giles, Clarity Point Coaching. She's also the author of the book, Choosing Clarity. And today she's teaching us how to shoot a silver bullet at a werewolf. (laughs) Okay, give them a little more background than (laughs) that. that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Isn't that confusing? No, uh, Kim's talking about kind of these people that are just angels, incredible Wonderful people, and then I guess the moon or something triggers them, and they turn into scary, dysfunctional, unhealthy people. And you've broken them into two categories. Those we can kind of work with mm-hmm. that are willing to be logical at times and learn and teachable. And well, those that even say have the ability to be yeah, logical. Yeah, have the ability to. Yeah. And then there's those that, that don't. They might have more of a clinical, psychological, psychiatric issue where they may not be able to choose to not werewolf right, and go crazy. I mean, we, t- you, we talked about the narcissist yeah. and the literal and lack of empathy. I mean, they don't have the capacity yeah. no. to care Mm-mm. how you feel. So. No, which is fine if, if you're there to cope, but if they're abusive emotionally – it's going to drain you. It's going, yeah. So you're, you're gonna you're gonna come a point come to a point of a of a decision. So you or, either kind of limit your exposure around them, get out if yeah. you're in a relationship where that is an option. I mean, I've also known people who this person is a parent oh, yeah. or someone, and completely getting away from yeah, it isn't just, an option. No, and but I've even seen people that it was, and they just we're not going to your house anymore. Yeah. We're not doing this. You're not healthy. So until you get health and healthy and strong, we're not doing that. We got to stay away. And yeah. that, if you're in that situation, good for you because that is that is absolutely it's healthy. powerful, very yeah. powerful. So what do we do though if we're on the other side and these people are willing or capable of learning? Well, and I think let's kind of qualify what this this 
type of person is somebody who maybe didn't have parents that were psychologically mm-hmm. mature. Yeah. And so they have not learned how to cope with emotion. That's right. So they've got a they blow things out of proportion. There's a lot of drama, mm-hmm. but they are teachable. They want to improve. And you and I see a lot of people oh, every in this. Day. Yeah, every that day. was my morning. <laughs> <laughs> you just described my morning. So if this person is is teachable and open, I'm sure you would agree with me. Yeah. One of the first best things you could do is get some professional get help. help. Yeah, because we get people who they've let this go on yeah. for years and years, and by then it's drained everybody so much. Mm-hmm. The damage is is so deep. It's harder. Well, then you lose your will to fix it. So your will to fix it. If you can start dealing with this when the will power is higher. You'll then have the strength the to get you right. through doing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So so see it early. Absolutely. Notice the signs early. Don't bury your head. So we need some help. We need tools. We yep. need skills. And Silver on bullets. on both sides, they need some skills to start learning how to cope with their emotions, mm-hmm. see situations more accurately, understand their reactions and how to respond and right. react. You need to do some work, though. That's right. This person, I believe, is in your life, and you've been given this unique challenge because it's your perfect classroom journey right. yeah. to get to become stronger and more mm-hmm. patient. So you can't sit there and be dependent if they're aggressively independent. So, I mean, you've got to have two independent people that don't have to have each other but can choose to move on. And usually in these relationships, you don't. You see one that's aggressive and powerful. They might be the moneymaker and have the problem. Yeah. And you're not the moneymaker and you feel trapped. So you just kind of take what they could be out. even the other way around. Exactly. I, we see them in all shapes right. and sizes. But the the bottom line is there's lots of help available mm-hmm. to teach you how to get a handle on your emotions, to understand what you're experiencing and see it accurately. I find that's the, the biggest problem with my clients is they're not even seeing the situation oh, yeah. accurately. They're reacting to things. Their assumptions are being made. And they're not really understanding the motivation behind this other person and right. the way they're behaving. Um, we talk a lot about behave, bad behavior, especially being fear-motivated. Oh, yeah. And I really find most of it is. Yeah, especially in the one where it's controllable a little bit. I mean, if you're psychologically right. We're not talking broken, about the mentally but, ill. Yeah, now. but yeah, it's very fear-oriented, isn't it? And it's a pattern. A lot of it's just patterning. You learn to pattern. And you just jump on the pattern. And so instead of actually thinking, you just always are reacting to and the pattern. seeing it accurately. That's exactly. So one of the, the tips that I start off my clients teaching them is almost any time you get upset, it's because you either feel taken from or insulted. Mm. And it's really powerful for you to sit back and say, why am I upset? What's really going on? Yeah. That, that what am I afraid of in this moment? Am I afraid that I'm not good enough, that I'm going to look bad? Is it a fear of failure thing that's being triggered in me? Or is it a fear of loss where I feel walked on or taken from or gypped? Yeah. And and for us to be able to clearly, accurately see why we're upset, then we get the chance to say, is being upset my only option yeah. here? What other options are there? Because there are always others. Uh-huh. Well, and especially, don't you love it? When you know that instead of me reacting, so you're just saying don't react, really. And in the space, think, ask yeah. yourself some questions, get in your higher brain, I call it. So don't, you can respond. Uh-huh, and then choose a better react. response. But what's funny is if I'm, if I'm arguing or debating somebody that's highly reactive and I'm not, I have an advantage. 
Oh, totally. You can think clearly. And you can outplay them. You can outthink them. You can outgame them. You can out whatever them. That's systems theory. So there's peace so in this. So you're hitting on this that the, our best defense against somebody like that is to stay calm uh-huh. and not get triggered That's right. ourselves. They would love you triggered because when you're triggered, you're hijacked emotionally. And then and, you behave and badly. Then, you, then they own you because and you're playing their game. You don't want to play the challenged person's game. Or you're going to be gamed. They're right. a pro at this game. Don't go into their What's territory. That saying? You don't want to wrestle with the pig yeah. because you both you're get dirty, get, but the pig will like it. That's exactly right. <laughs> it's true, though. So cool. when they're triggered by fear and they're behaving badly, it is highly likely that's going to trigger a fear in you. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I notice with a lot of my couples is if the wife is upset and miserable and having this drama about her life and unhappy, it usually triggers a subconscious fear of failure in her husband. Like yeah. he oh, feels yeah. partly responsible. That Why can't I make her happier? Why happy? can't I make more money? Why can't I solve these problems? Yeah. That's it. Or if he's feeling stressed and worried at work that he's failing and he comes home with that, she feels taken from at some level because his focus is more on himself than helping her. Right, right. So we trigger each other's yeah. fears. Oh, and the yeah. biggest thing you can do is recognize when my spouse or this person in my life has an issue, what does it trigger in me? Yeah. And how can I keep myself calm and bulletproof so that at least one of us is sane that's right. to talk this situation down? See, and th- so that's all you're being that's – that's the whole premise of enlightenment is – don't just go with the body. Like, learn. Like, what's happening here? See the pattern. Circumvent the pattern. Outpiece the pattern. Get in your peace. Yeah. See, that's why I had to learn the meditation from the meditation camp. That's why, I was thinking, that's why camp. you went to the Buddha boot camp. <laughs> yeah. The Buddha boot camp really te- taught me that, though. Yeah. That I've I've got to be calm enough to see what is yeah. and, and see it accurately so that I can respond with oh, love instead man. of fear. But otherwise, you notice it's all about emotion. So it once is. the body and our emotion emotions goes, get us out of control yeah. and we, we don't think. We're mm-hmm. not using our brain. And so yours, yours a lot of times is, derives from the fear is the trigger. The fear so is the trigger. The trigger then creates the emotional fight or flight or, and game on. So the way you circumvent that is <sighs> create space. Well, big deep breath. Uh, see the, the way the we approach go. it with my system, and and they can read more about this on Clarity Point yeah. Coaching. Is your first job is to make sure you have your fear reactions under control. So we've got to get we got to work on your trust about your own value that you know yeah. who you are and yep. where your value comes from. You're so solid. this werewolf can lash out and attack you. But you know, this is just today's lesson, yeah. and I know my value isn't tied to it. I don't have to be perfect to yeah. have value. So you are responsible for your self-worth, and you need to work on that so that you're bulletproof, so yeah. that you can handle someone else's swings and not have them affect Because if your value is high and strong and you know it's not movable. It's infinite. It's infinite. Then his little tantrum or her tantrum, it's not going to alter my value. Right. I can't tell you how many times with my borderline person I got attacked over just the dumbest little things. And I would have to keep telling myself, even though this person hates my guts and thinks I'm the most evil person in the world at this moment for this, I know my value is not on the line Uh here. It's not in question. It doesn't change. This is a situation that I can learn and grow from, but I'm safe as far as my value. 
that's the only thing that kept me sane. But what does he now? What does he do? So if all of a sudden you're not reacting to their overreaction, it it literally it takes their weapon away. It does. Now they'll escalate. They they often will. Right. You, or they'll you withdraw. May have to physically yeah. remove yourself until they could calm down. Yeah. But we're talking about the toxic one yeah. again. Do you know what I do? Um, I have my clients a lot of times. I, I give them a rule that if they start to see the emotion taking off, and they're afraid the pattern's going to kick in, then let's just record it. So I have them pull out a cell phone and, and record the conversation. Record the conversation, and amazingly, it stops. Oh, if they know they're going to be recorded. Uh-huh. So because that's we're good, our consciousness knows we don't want to look bad either because that's that's actually maybe a bigger threat yeah, to fear. Yeah, fear of looking bad to other people. So the minute we can record it, Behavior it stops the trigger. Behavior would improve mm-hmm. immediately. And if I that's like happening, that. then that's telling us there's there's a deeper thing going on here that we can control apparently if we make it more public. So that's the shame. The shame of the wife bringing me an audio recording recording from her husband going off or vice versa. Um, Just the shame is enough to create fear that they're like, okay. Yeah. So at least in that moment, Uh that gets them to step back. And And then we talk. And then in that moment, I then have them keep talking and keep trying to understand and understand the root fear, the root, I call it starved stuff, and get down to the real root. Of why they're actually Mm -hmm. upset. Exactly. And it's usually never about what they fight about. Now, I'm hoping everybody listening is getting this idea, though. Look at the amazing tools yeah. that getting some professional help will give you. Because it works. The, the biggest thing I want people to hear out there, if you've got people in your life, especially your significant other relationship like this, yeah. it will make all the difference in the world to get professional help oh, yeah. and get the tools and skills you need on your own. You're going to suffer much longer, and this right. is going to be a lot harder and to do. And even if they can't do it, so even if your partner can't do it, I always teach oh, two heads are better too. than one, but one head is better than zero. So if we can get just one of us to get the pattern, to start to notice it, to suggest, I don't have everyone record, but just suggest let's record this or whatever and get real, I call it, and have a real conversation. Just one of you. Yeah. All I need is one of you to do it. Well, you remember there was a couple we worked with together yeah. that I coached one. It was amazing. One, yeah. And, and the difference. It was amazing. So, yeah, don't let that stop thing. you just because your spouse won't right. come. You can be a catalyst to completely oh, yeah. change that yeah. relationship. It's amazing, but you can do it. See, and that's see the hope you bring. Well. You bring it. But the principles bring it. We just got to see the principle. It. And I love, too, that. We get to the trigger because once you can go down and actually cure your trigger, then, oh, then you've got it. Then see, then it's not situational. Then it's not about your husband or about you know the the tax bill. Now I'm going to blatantly promote my book for a second, just because if you if you can't get professional help at this point, you get don't have book, the money. The get the book. It's a great book. The book does a good job of helping you understand the root cause mm-hmm. underneath it. Yeah. And get really clear. And there's exercises at the end of every chapter. I've had people who they can't afford to come in and see us if they use the book. book. Choosing Clarity is the name of the book. And you can go to claritypointcoaching.com and just get the book. I I loaned mine to somebody and they weren't ready to get it yet. They didn't. But the thing is, is it walks you right to the answer, but they didn't want it yet. So sometimes we're not ready to be real. 
So instead, we like to kind of bounce out of that oh, fire and jump back up into the smoke. Every day that but I was so great ready, because but... I'm like, she's like, yeah, and she was like talking. I'm like, no, 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 no. So what part didn't you get? <laughs> what what didn't you get about it? There's, it's not like something you get. Well, it's really simple. It, you just it's got really... it. Really? And she, I go, did you do it? And she's, I started to, but then it got, I don't know. It got, then she's like, it got weird, and I'm like, it got weird. Like when did it get weird or did it just get uncomfortable? Yeah, probably got uncomfortable. It got really (laughs) uncomfortable. And she finally admitted it was just uncomfortable. Not well, weird. if you're not sure about it, go to my website, no, listen to some it. of the recordings and read some of the articles and see Remember, how it feels to you. Pound for pound, claritypointcoaching.com is the site that you're going to get more free tools on earth. And some of them aren't free, but they're worth every penny. They're all worth every penny. Well, thank you. You did it. And you got your hair cut. It's beautiful. Short well. and sassy. <laughs> Just like James's. It's a little longer than James's. It's a little longer than James's. <laughs> James is like, or like, is like Sinead. Is that her name? Sinead back in the day? O'Connor. Shaved her head. Yeah, shaved her head. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Good stuff. Appreciate you, Kim. You're the best. Are you going to stick around? We've got one more segment. Sure. We're going to take a break, my friends. Come back. Wrap this show up. Emotional horror stories. Maddie Richards. She likes me to mess up her name like that. She'll be uh, guiding us through some of the hard life stories. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Maddie Richards is in the house, and she's uh, she is focused and ready to um, fire out some incredible lessons about how to teach your kids to deal with their emotional horror stories. Yeah, yeah. So we all have, I'm sure, those emotional horror stories from our childhood, from our teen years that kind of haunt us yes. and we can't get away from. Um, for example, one of mine is when I was probably six, I was at ballet class yes. and um, all the moms would line up in the alleyway to pick us up after in their cars uh-huh. and drive through. And I was the last one there. And I was there for like five, probably five, ten minutes is all. But I was so traumatized that my mom had gotten in a car oh, accident, no. that she'd forgotten about me, that they didn't love me anymore, that something was wrong. I was crying. They weren't and, coming I mean, to get you. It was 11 o'clock in the afternoon. I was fine. My mom wasn't that late. <laughs> she and was I just really was just sobbing and so scared. And but that, that traumatized stayed with you. me. Yeah, that, that feeling of whenever, from then on, whenever I was at school, my mom was a little late. I'd be like, okay, uh-uh. did something happen? Did something bad go down? Did she forget about me? Kind wow. Of yeah, this and is those a big deal. Is that why you. you still wear your little ballerina outfit? Yes, everywhere I go, that's why I wear it. That's good. <laughs> so what do we do about that? That's sad. So I feel sad for you. I recently have been taking a class called Media Effects where we're learning about how the media can affect us and how our life experiences can affect us. Right. Um, and one of the things we've been learning about is implicit and explicit memories. So implicit memories are the types of memories that are very detailed. Uh-huh. They give you all of the – you remember the color, the, the the exact situation. And they usually don't stay with you very long because your brain can't lodge all of those details very specifically. Right. So you might remember what you had for breakfast, but you probably don't remember what you had for breakfast yesterday. No. Kind of thing. Yeah. These other kinds of memories are called explicit memories. So explicit are the general feelings – that you felt 
like the biochemistry. Yeah. Yes. So the general situation that you were in. So for me, it was those feelings of abandonment. I don't remember yeah. what I was wearing. Right. You were just. I don't remember what kind of car my mom drove, yeah. but I remember feeling scared the and fear. feeling alone uh-huh. and feeling abandoned. And those are the kinds of memories that stay with you. If you were scared of a dog when you were little, you might still be scared of a dog, but for not a specific yeah, reason more not, than when you were five, right. it scared you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So it's the biochemistry that then creates the horror. Yes. And that's what not you can... Not the thought even. Yeah. It's it's the, the, the general feelings that you remember, the feelings, not even the situation, wow. but the feeling yeah. that stays with you. I've, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So... We've learned a, I've learned a couple of ways to help your kids be able to cope with these kinds of fears and to be okay. able to move past them. So for younger kids, you ha- they think cognitively. So they think if it's big and it's scary, if it's, uh, if it's a big dog, yeah. if it's a movie that they're watching and a big scary monster comes in, even if it's the Incredible Hulk who's the good guy – they're scared of but it. Because they're big. That's why babies That's cry right. at fireworks and little uh-huh. kids get scared of fireworks and things because they just they seem see that it's them. uncomfortable for them. Mm. Now, older kids think non-cognitively. So they think rationally. They're able to say, okay, I'm not scared of the Hulk because he's coming in to save her. That's right. That's how they're able to think. So for younger kids, you have to either distract them or just keep them away from those kinds of situations altogether. Yeah, they can't process They can't it. process. You right. can't explain to them. You don't need to be scared of the dog. You just have to say, oh, look over here. There's something nice to look at instead of this big dog or take them away yeah, from the situation. Distract. That, we do the same thing with James. I so know, that's why right? we can't convince little kids that Santa is yeah, a, it, this stranger just, is a exactly. good one. Yeah. It's exactly. Just a stranger. So some kids grow up being them. scared of Santa a little bit because they get <laughs> sat true. on his lap and they're very scared of him. And we need to either take yeah. – we don't need to sit there and try to so convince them try he's to convince nice. Them. No, just get them out of the situation or it's going to be one of those memories that they hold on to. For older kids coming up for the holidays, yeah, right? We've ruined more people that way. (laughs) For older kids, about older than age seven, you can rationalize with them. Mm -hmm. So if they see something scary, if they see something on the news, you can say, "Okay, but look, we don't. We're not going to have anybody break into our house because we have these locks, and mom and dad sleep right over here. See, so nothing bad like that's going to happen to you." That's so you can healthy. rationalize with those kids. See, that's that's good to know. And no, it's great to know. Because we always totally hear stories changed. in the news and the yeah. older kids can maybe handle it. Yeah. But the younger kids, we just need to yeah. know. Yeah, you think about seven is what they said. Yeah. Is the Interesting. Seven. That seven's the magical number. Yeah, yeah, so I was about six when that happened. So I probably wasn't going to be able to rationalize with my no. mom that she had to go Mm-mm. to the grocery store. And Your this mom and just should have been there. I was just very concerned yeah. that the schedule was being deviated from and I was the last yeah. one left alone. Yeah. So it's just kind of good to know that you can avoid those situations wow. and that you can start to rationalize with kids when they hit that age so they don't have to be That's a great scared lesson. of that stuff anymore. That's a great I tool. know, right? Great content. I, Isn't that I, fun? Now we're going to just spend the next minute hearing from Kim her worst horror story Yeah, ever. I want to hear your emotional horror story. You know, when you were talking about the dog, I when I was five, I walked to school and this big German shepherd started chasing me and I climbed up on a big rock but he had me treed, and he just <laughs> oh. ran around the rock, oh, and I traumatic. knew I was going to be late for school. So I just stood up there, cried until some neighbor called my mom and told her, and they she drove over and, and rescued me. But I think I've been afraid Holy of big dogs yeah. my whole life. That dogs. kind of stuff I will don't stick like with you. Big dogs. Why don't I have a story like that? I guess I'm. Were you not... never scared of anything? I have one where we had caught a spider in the basement and put it down the sink to like. 
kill it and get rid of it. And I went back over to wash a dish, and the spider had crawled out of the sink back into the base of the sink. And I am terrified of spiders because I can still see that spider just crawling out of the sink. Didn't die. Oh, didn't drown. It was terrible. Thank okay. you, Darth Vader, for that help. Did you hear Darth Vader? Yeah. No, that was the spider stuck in the disposal. Oh, I thought that was your CPAP. That was my CPAP kicking in. <laughs> yep, got to go. Hey, folks, uh, good stuff. Well done, Maddie. That was healthy and scary. <laughs> that was the point. Kim Giles, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You were the me. best. Uh, seriously, folks, she's a great coach. you got to go check out her website, claritypointcoaching.com. Again, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget this quote. Forget what hurt you, but never forget what it taught you. Tomorrow, my friends, how does insomnia affect our life? Learning about not uh, learning about that and our sleeping habits tomorrow on the Matt Townsend Show. Hope to talk to you then. Take care.